listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Adam Salarzik. And I'm Joe Struess. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast. Yes, it is. Let's go. Yeah, let's get this thing going. It's been a while. I haven't seen you in like six days, buddy. Yeah, well, you know, it's February, which means it's time <laughs> to start taking some days off. Yeah, already in the early part of the year? Yeah, well, you know, uh, unfortunately, some unfortunate circumstances, uh, some family things. But uh, you know what? Time off is always uh, is good. And when you need some family support for some things, it's nice to be able to do that. And uh, really enjoyed the past few days. And now we're back here and we're ready to uh, light this candle. Yes, as, uh, happy to as, have you back. As the great Alan Shepard said before they started the uh, the Mercury program. So we're going to get this thing off the ground. Yeah, so this is just us going to be talking about weather here at Wayne 15 behind the scenes and also just some other shenanigans that are going around uh, on this podcast. We'll venture into other topics of things that interest us uh, outside of weather and what we do in our day-to-day when we're not here at Wayne 15 just off of State Boulevard. That's right. That's right. We are the weekend meteorologists. I am the weekend morning meteorologist. Adam, you can catch in the evening. And we kind of have similar stories. So let's dive in really quickly to where we got our start. And how we got to where we are now. Yeah, so I started off being terrified of the weather. And my parents always tell me that they would count the seconds whenever I lived in Memphis, Tennessee, whenever we had strong storms coming through in the middle of the night, a crack of thunder. They'd count until I was all the way downstairs in their bedroom, letting them know that there was obviously a thunderstorm going on. And eventually, after we had a few strong storms, I remember specifically a derecho that worked its way through as we went throughout the uh, summer of 2008, I believe it was, uh, that moved its way through, that triggered my interest in weather from a fear to an interest. There was 100 mile per hour winds, rain coming down sideways. I was downstairs in the uh, my parents' bedroom. I could see through to my kitchen, a giant window that my mom was standing at, which is not what you should be doing if there is severe thunderstorms and the power is already out. And then a uh, strike of lightning hit a tree in our backyard. And that was the moment that meteorology changed from a fear to an interest for me. Yeah, meteorologists, we all kind of have that gene, it feels like, where when storms come rolling through, we kind of go into this excitement mode of adrenaline. It's an adrenaline rush. Obviously, Mother Nature is incredibly powerful and can be devastating at times, uh, but I think we've all throughout our lives kind of had this aha moment where we've gone, oh, man, I like this. I, I want to study this. I want to understand this better. For me, I started just like you, terrified of thunderstorms. I remember the date, July 17, <laughs> 2003, the day before my birthday that year. I uh, just had a really nasty storm come through. It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day that turned into a really ugly day. We had inch-sized hail on my front lawn. It looked like it had just snowed in the middle of July. Power out. Roof had to be replaced. Really nasty system. Scared me for years. Found out Doppler radar existed, and you could see that online. All of a sudden, I had an interest. I felt like I could track. I had some control over it. Obviously, you don't, but it's a way to get through it. And all of a sudden, I'm interested, and then I became a meteorologist. So how did the fear turn into a profession for you? For me, first off, I want to go back. 2008 is the year I said it was actually 
2003 as well for me. The 03 and the 08 turned into the opposites in my head for some reason in my memory. Uh, But that doesn't change the story any less. Uh, I went to high school and I was actually really interested in sports broadcasting initially. Uh, And I was very fortunate to have a great broadcasting class at my high school. I got into that class and it turned me in from a very introverted person into expanding my horizons and becoming a little bit more extroverted, which is what you kind of need to be uh, to be on TV, have that kind of personality, because you're going to be talking to a lot of people and going out in public, and obviously you're communicating a science to people. And at the end of high school, I still wanted that interest in meteorology. I still had it, and I wanted to have the scientific degree to go along with the broadcasting and marry the two So, because I fell in love with that broadcasting class. That's where I got the broadcasting bug was in high school. And so I went to Central Michigan University, has a undergraduate. Yes, fire up chips. And uh, they have an undergraduate meteorology degree. And they also have a great broadcasting program, New Central 34. And I was able to combine those two as well and did the New Central 34 for three of my four years that I was at central michigan and then i took a uh, job down in san angelo texas again where yes exactly that's market 198 196 for those that understand oh don't understand tv markets uh there's about 210 of them new york being number one that's the most people that you broadcast to all the way at the bottom market 208 210 is somewhere in Wyoming, I Montana. Think. Montana. I believe it's Montana. Montana. Glen Dive, Montana. Uh, I believe it is. Yes. So that's the scale. And for Fort Wayne listeners, uh, we're market 104. We were. We've actually we fallen back down. to 110. Yes, I think we were 104 whenever I accepted the job here. Sounds about right. Uh, that was in 2017. So I was in Texas for two years, and then as a morning meteorologist, five days a week, and a co-anchor on the morning show. And was able to get a job closer to home because I moved up to Michigan uh, during my middle school and high school years. Obviously, central Michigan. What about you? Yeah, for me. So, I'm again, was pretty afraid of storms for a while. Made that transition to my high school years. Felt much more comfortable and would actually get a lot of interest when we would hear about, okay, on the news. Hey, there's going to be some storms coming up. Could be really intense storms. Could be an outbreak. Even winter storms. I love snow. And if you watch Wayne 15 on the weekends, you know I love the winter and I love snow. And uh, <laughs> You're not people, loving this winter right I'm now. I'm not though. loving this winter, that's correct. But I do love it, and uh, especially when it when it gets to be more snowy and uh, a lot colder, too. I don't know. That's just from growing up in uh, the south side of Chicago, going out, skating on ponds and stuff. And, it's what you're used to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the full, the full 360 of the seasons, you know. But so when it comes to my story... It was time to pick a college, and I sat down, and my dad goes, why don't you give weather a try? You've, you've really developed an interest, and I looked at a couple of universities, ended up just a little south of you, also in the MAC conference, Ball State University. Uh, similar story, we have a news program, NewsLink Indiana there, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a student-run broadcast, did that, did some internships, got experience on the green screen while also taking the math, the physics, the differential equations, all of the atmospheric uh, dynamics classes and and weather forecasting classes that go along with the the science degree while also getting the broadcast experience and uh, I graduated a little early 
got kind of lucky. Some things fell in line that I could get out a semester early. And you take any summer classes at all? I know I, I had to do that I to did get take, out for. I did take my calculus two um, during the summer at a local university back home. So that kind of put me ahead in the credits, and that allowed some extra internship opportunities later. But yeah, and uh, lo and behold, I'm looking for a job with eight weeks left, nine weeks left in my in my senior year, and uh, I got a call from Fort Wayne. So happy to be here, and uh, let's get rolling. Yeah, you're just over a year here. Just over a year. Just over a year. No, I'm happy you're still here. <laughs> well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. So you went into broadcasting. Why did you go into broadcasting? Because there's different realms of meteorology. There's the research and educational academic side, and also the government National Weather Service side where they help make those forecasts as well. And so there's basically, and there's private sector as well. So Yeah, well, there's a, there's a whole... There's a whole list of items. Number one is you're a college student going, okay, I've paid tuition and room and board. Student loans are staring at you, and you're going, okay, I need to get a job. And uh, the truth is I'm sitting there as a sophomore going, okay, what am I going to do? My original plan was never to be a broadcaster. But then I said, where's the job market? What can I do? Can I actually give this a try? So I tried it. I kind of really fell in love with the green screen and getting to make a forecast but then present it right away. And uh, that's how kind of that happened because I said, I got I to gotta get a job. You know, I need something where I can immediately get some income out of college and hopefully I'd be good enough to do that. And luckily, with a lot of work, I was able to make it here and start chipping away at those student loans. So yes. that's kind of, that's truthfully, that's the story. That's how it happened. Yeah, because there comes a point in every meteorology undergraduate year or years that you have to make that decision of which one you're going to pursue. Right. For me, I went there already in love with broadcasting in high school. So I knew that it was pretty much broadcaster bust, but there were so many other people in my broadcast or in my meteorology classes that were spread out and right. different interests that they were wanting to do. Well, there you go. And we're happy to have you here too. Now over two years. Yes. Over two years so. here. I got here in October, 2017. And we're rolling right into 2020 here with a new thing, obviously the past, the forecast podcast, and we've got some fun things that we're going to try to tackle here over the coming months and year, hopefully. So where are we starting off, Adam? Yeah, so meteorologist, everybody always says we get paid to be wrong, right? Uh, it's one of the most common things that we hear on social media and out in public whenever we see our viewers out there. But we do care when we get it wrong. Right. <laughs> Every time we get the forecast wrong, we go back and we look at it and we try and understand why it was wrong. And this is the segment where we're going to be doing that. Hits and misses. Yeah, so hits and misses is what we're going to be calling this one. And this week's hits and misses revolve around this past weekend. That's right, Adam. We are, of course, the weekend forecasters. So uh, listeners, they know Nicholas Ferrari, chief meteorologist in the evenings, and Greg Schaub, the morning meteorologist Monday through Friday. Then I come in Saturday morning, you come in Saturday evening, and then it's kind of our our forecast for a few days before Greg comes back in on Monday. And there's a few challenges there. Number one, they've been forecasting for five days in a row. So by the time they get to Friday, they're like, all right, I know what's up. I've been looking at weather data all week. For us, coming in on Saturday is kind of like how you think about you start your Monday mornings. You know, you get out of bed after maybe a fun weekend, a long weekend, might be a little slow to start. That's kind of how Saturday mornings and Saturday evenings can be when Adam and I arrive to work. It takes a little extra time to got to kind of get a handle uh, on the forecast. Well, this last weekend, everything was saying that Sunday 
should have been a cloudy day or at least started cloudy and then seen some improvements. So when I came in Saturday morning, mostly cloudy on Sunday, that felt right. You saw similar trends Saturday night. Yeah, so whenever I came in, we, we sent emails back and forth about what we see in the forecast, and everything that you saw seemed to be still very consistent. Uh, during the end of the forecast period, these models come in so many times during the day, and there was some signs that there could be some clearing later in the day, but that wouldn't change it from a mostly cloudy icon in our minds because it was going to be mostly cloudy for say 90% of the day, and we we're going to see maybe partly cloudy skies at the end. But that was not the case, as we found out. And I don't think too many people are going to complain about how Sunday turned out with all the sun that we had, because it did boost our temperatures up as well. With the clouds in place, I was forecasting down in the mid-30s. I believe I had 36 degrees. I actually took it down from what you had. You had 37 on Saturday morning, I took it down to 36 because of how Saturday progressed with the overcast skies. Everything was a little bit cooler than what we were thinking, so I carried that over, that same thinking over into Sunday, and it ended up being wrong. Yeah, so I come in Sunday morning. Obviously, I just forecasted the day before. It's fresh in my memory what to expect, and I'm thinking, okay, mostly cloudy day today, but a quiet weather day. I start looking at the data in the morning all of a sudden, there's a cloud deck over our region, but it's starting to clear out. And I look at some of the weather cams around the area and said, oh, no, we need to make an adjustment <laughs> here. So I went and pulled back to partly cloudy for the morning show. And meanwhile, while this is happening, I'm waking up on Sunday morning and seeing pure sunshine screaming in my window. And I was like, uh-oh. That's the oh, geez <laughs> moment. I really got that one wrong. So, uh, yeah, so I make the adjustment back to partly cloudy. I did make the decision in the morning to boost the temperatures up quite a bit just because it was looking like, oh, no, we're going to see more sunshine today than expecting. The sun providing a bit more energy now this time of the year as, as we go along through the end of winter and into the spring months. So it's going to have more of an impact on your temperatures overall. And so we went up. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't even partly cloudy by the time we got no. to 9, 10 a.m. So for our web updates, I adjusted back to even mostly sunny day. A lot of people had sunshine. Sunday really ended up pretty fantastic with temperatures in your 40. So we missed the sky cover, but we did Saturday, Sunday morning rather hit on the temperature adjustment up. Again, I don't think anybody's complaining at home, but uh, we have to look back at these things and say, yes. how can we do this better week to week? That's something very important for us to learn from so we can apply it to future cases. This is just one of those cases where the inversion we thought was going to be in place was not there for the morning hours and it was broken up. So we continued to see that sunshine. And as a result, obviously more sunshine results in warmer temperatures most of the time. Not today necessarily, because we're seeing plenty of sun uh, at the time of this recording, but temperatures are actually the coldest they're going to be all week. Yeah, think back to Christmas. Christmas, if you were here in the <laughs> Summit City, you remember it. It was tremendously foggy, reduced mm -hmm. visibility across the area. And we had fog persist for such an extended period of time. And, and that's one thing we kind of missed on earlier that week. We thought it would break up. And every day it was just, okay, we got to add more fog and we got to add more clouds. And that was a big learning moment for us. And I think we're taking what we learned there and trying to apply it throughout the rest of the winter. But again, weather data is going to constantly be changing. And so we kind of got to stay on our toes. And sometimes what the weather forecasting really is, especially when we talk about more active weather, you're trying to just take a general scope of what will happen and, and really relay the impacts to people.
Yeah, because it's not going to be uh, – if a model run comes in, it's completely different than what they consistently have been. Usually, that's an outlier. Right. So we don't – all we, we acknowledge that it happened, which is what I did for Saturday night, and then we'll pay attention if that trend continues. But the first time, we're not going to sit there and jump ship on our forecast unless it's dramatically different uh, across multiple models – then we might hedge our bets, so to speak, in terms of that's going to be the change that's going to be coming down the pipeline. We'll be getting that uh, prepared for, say, if I were preparing that for Joe to be ready to make that change to mostly sunny and temperatures near 40. Yeah, Mother Nature is like baseball. I think we kind of come in anticipating the fastball, and we adjust to the off speed. And if you think about baseball, if you hit three out of ten times, career average around 300, that's pretty good. If you and do that through your entire career. There's no Astros on this weather team. There's no Astros. Ouch. <laughs> a little bit of a shot there. But we are sports fans as well. That's an interest that we have outside of uh, weather. Uh, it's common. We go golfing together. Uh, we watch sports together. And we also watch some of the same shows. We do watch some of the same shows. That's correct. CBS, <laughs> longtime reality show, Survivor. Now in its 40th season, it's funny you should bring that up. I was just watching the premiere last night. So yeah, again, I said, up. yeah, we said at the beginning of the podcast, I was out, uh, just kind of out of the area for the past week. And so I caught up and uh, the goosebumps came right back to me. I was a, <laughs> a big time fan of the show for the first 20 or so seasons. And then kind of got it a little further from it. So when you see the legendary figures from the start, the first 10 years, that's what I consider to be my favorite era of Survivor. Um it just really, it it was it was cool to see. I I've watched every single season of Survivor. Uh, it, it kind of dropped off briefly during my college years, just busy, lose interest in certain things. Uh, but I did regain it back uh, during the summers there and catch back up on what's going on and things like that in the Survivor world. And then to see all of this, it was pretty cool uh, to see all these. They're doing all winter season. So the legends, Boston Rob, who I know is your guy. My guy. I, if, I, I, if I could, if there was a Survivor <laughs> player that I could just have five minutes with just to figure out how he lives his life, and if it's anything like how he plays the game, it would be Boston Rob. I think there's a difference between the two. There's there's, so. a, there's a game, a mode that you got to turn on because it is, in the grand scheme of things, a game, even though you're outside. In my personal opinion, I think it's the best reality show out there because it's the closest thing to reality. I don't think there's too much you can script out there on that island. So I'll ask you this. Yeah. Do you have a favorite for this season? Really quick. Favorite for the season? Well, I, I, I've been texting people that also watch the show. I am rooting for like half of these people. Because I was fans of them whenever right. they won, like Wendell, which was the same season that uh, one of our local people, Kellen Bechtold, was on. So I was very invested in that season to watch because I actually got to speak with her over a Skype interview and do a story about her. I was very invested in that season, and that was one of the best seasons in my mind. Spoiler alert if you're catching up on all your Survivor watching. Um, and then uh, Ethan from early, Way I think it was back. season three, two or three. I think it was even that early. I think it was the Africa I season. I think he said he played 2004, but I could be I 
could be corrected on that. It's been a long time. It's, yeah, he's been. It's been a long time since he's been on. He actually beat cancer in the time between right. he won and he's been back on the show. He said being back on the show was one of the main driving forces for him to beat cancer. And I just, I think that's watching some of the old school people play is some of the cooler. Uh, things about this season. I agree. So I look forward to, to watching in the coming weeks to see how things develop. A uh, little pitch here. You can catch it on Wayne 15. <laughs> We're the CBS affiliate, so you can catch Survivor at 8 o'clock every Wednesday. Should be interesting to see how this turns out. I know we'll be watching it closely. And uh, actually, that reminded me of something. The, the host of Survivor, Jeff Probst. Yes. A little jealousy here from the Weekend oh. Morning Meteorologist, Adam <laughs> Salarzik. One of your early stories in your Wayne it was the same story was to talk to Jeff. Yeah, it was the uh, the same story that we were doing with Kellen Bechtold. Uh, so we had the Survivor contestant on, and we were like, we had an opportunity to speak to Jeff Probst about her. Of course, we're going yeah. to take it. And uh, since I was doing the story, I got the great opportunity to do the interview, and that's probably one of the top uh, five moments of my broadcasting What career. do you say to Probst, though, when you see him? Are you just like, hey, Jeff? Uh... I didn't see him. It was over a, a, a video feed essentially gotcha. a skype call but i did start off the interview go just going big fan of the show looking forward to this upcoming season because there's a little twist in there that was a very unique thing and i thought that was cool and then we just had a conversation did you ask him who won i did not because i there was there's, we only had five minutes and i wanted to make sure i asked questions that i knew i was going to get answers to gotcha gotcha well you know what that's pretty cool like we're saying adam adam gets to talk to all the cool people jeff probst <laughs> mike ruzioni a couple weeks ago uh, captain of the United States hockey team in 1980, the Miracle on Ice team. Pretty incredible, Adam. Like I said, a little jealousy That's also here. in the top five. A little jealousy here. I'm sure it's in the top <laughs> five. I would, those two would be my probably my top two, so you're the man. There's some other cool stories I'm sure we'll delve into during the course of this podcast of favorite moments at work or something like that that we'll, uh, we'll reveal like our top five or something like that Yeah. Uh, during the course of this. But uh, we also want to talk about current events. We talked about Survivor a little bit. We're not going to dig into Survivor all the time. It's just a common interest that we have. And if you want to have some Survivor talk, we'll give you two, three minutes about it. Uh, but we also like to stay up on topics that are going on around the world. Tracking the topics. Number one. The number one topic we want to track as we track the <laughs> topics here. Pretty busy weekend down in Florida. Obviously, the Daytona 500 uh, was the start of the NASCAR season. That was this past weekend. Supposed to run on Sunday. Postponed due to rain. Ran on Monday. Obviously, we've all seen the video of the final lap. Ryan Newman, uh, Hoosier from South Bend, in yes. an absolutely horrific crash. Glad to hear he's doing okay. From what I've heard, he's he was alert and talking yesterday. Yeah, that was so. as of the recording of this. The last update was he was alert and he was talking to his doctors. Still in serious condition, I believe, was what his his status was. But it's good to hear that he was able to get out of the situation that he was in because it was a very uh, scary wreck, to say the least. Yeah, and that obviously took the the headlines of the Daytona 500 when it was over on Monday, but on Sunday. There was a little bit of controversy <laughs> in the weather field across meteorologists across the area because of something that was said by one of the commentators of the Daytona 500 on Sunday. Again, it was postponed due to rain. Let's hear what, what he said. And, there, the, and this commentator said that the reason it was raining at Daytona Beach, which is on the 
east coast of the Florida Peninsula is the fact that there's no major cities to break up that rain. Now, is that true, Joe? Does that hold any credence? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, You could start. There's a lot of ways to, to break it down. Ultimately, if you had put a downtown area like Chicago around Daytona Speedway, it still was going to rain. The nature of this weather system, uh, frontal system coming through, if you saw the radar imagery, it was a pretty pretty robust environment. And if you've ever been down to Florida, you know that pretty much mostly year-round, maybe not so much so during the winter months that we're seeing right now, but especially so during the summer that we have uh, heat and humidity that these storms bubble up. If you've ever been to Disney World and there's a storm that'll pop up, it'll rain for five, ten minutes, and then it'll get out of there just almost as quickly as it developed. But there's also this thing that you may have heard of called the Urban Heat Island, and I believe that's the theory that this commentator was going on, that the Urban Heat Island would help to break up these rain and storm showers that were working their way closer towards Daytona. Right. The Urban Heat Island is essentially saying that because it's an urban area where you may have more industry, more human impacts from machinery and whatever, it's going to be warmer. So, and you can actually see this. Look at a current temperature map in the winter. Chicago, in the middle of a Arctic air mass, will actually end up a few degrees warmer out at O'Hare Airport than central Illinois in the farm fields there. Uh, there's just less, there's less there from industry and other other human impacts to to warm you up. That's the urban heat island effect, uh, pretty pretty well summarized. What he was saying essentially is that if the storms were passing through a downtown area, I guess what he was trying to say is that would break up the shower or the storm. No, absolutely not. If anything, it might help enhance because heat rises. It would help to increase moisture. I mean, we've seen that with industrial uh, enhanced snow. So the argument could be made something along those lines that it would actually help promote rain. The impact that some buildings are going to have is still, even though the downtown areas of the biggest cities look absolutely impressive, weather happens further up in the atmosphere from there. Uh, any any impacts would really be minimal at that point. Yeah, agreed on that point. And with the colder air, there's also another topic that we want to talk about, which is there are Michigan Lake Michigan ice balls that are washing up on shore. I think it's at Holland State Park was one of them, which is a fantastic place to vacation if you've never ever been, been there. there. Uh, never been there. It was a place that me and my family would vacation. Why not? I don't go to Michigan. Why? I'm a Hoosier. I'm a Hoosier who wishes. I'm a Hoosier that wishes he was from Illinois <laughs> and the Windy City. I wish I lived in Chicago. That's okay because I kind of wish I was in Pittsburgh because that's where a lot of my family. You know what? Is, but I, I do like New Buffalo. New Buffalo, just across the border. So. That's a pretty decent place. It's it's not bad. I've driven through it. A couple good restaurants there just across the Indiana border there. Well, we'll, we'll take a trip up to Holland State Park during the summer. That's when you got to go because during the winter, there are ice balls washing up on shore that are the size of softballs and even as big as yoga balls. Yeah, we saw this report. It's actually pretty interesting. So think about this winter. Noah is calling January 2020 Earth's warmest January on record. 
Let that sink in for a minute. Earth's warmest January on record. And we see that when we look at what's called the temperature departure, how far temperatures are from average, from where they would normally be on average. We're seeing that across the Great Lakes region, departures that are well above average for the month of January. What does that mean? The ice is necessarily not there across some of the Great Lakes. It's there, but maybe not quite as expansive as it would be in a more average winter or certainly a below average winter. So as a result, you're getting snow onto the lake. And rather than have this ice there, my understanding is you're getting kind of some slush and the waves are bringing the slush ashore and it's creating some ice balls. It's actually a pretty interesting phenomenon. It's the churning motion of the waves that is helping to turn this this slush into these ice balls as they get closer and closer to shore. Temperatures over the lake are still down in the single digits and things like that at times, but it's the fact that they're not being able to be sustained at that, that that slush is able to form into these balls. And we saw one other very interesting phenomenon as well, ice volcanoes. Those are those little mounds. So if you've This is all uh, along Lake Michigan that we're seeing, but these are still interesting things that if you are going to be traveling in that direction, uh, that you can go and check out. But there are mounds that are forming on places that have frozen close to shore, but the water in the middle part of the lake and just offshore that's not frozen, still washing up because the waves are the natural motion of these lakes, especially during the storm systems moving through, disrupting the water, and they're shooting up through these, giving the illusion of an all, of a volcano. A little eruption there, right? A little, little Van Halen, a little eruption on the lakeshore. It's pretty cool. And uh, so these are some of the things we've been looking at as some of the topics kind of nationally from a weather scene over the past week. But we've also got some questions from you, the viewer, with some other questions for some topics we want to tackle. It's the Pass the Forecast Inbox. Yeah, so you can always send these in on the Pass the Forecast is the email at wayne.com. You'll send these in and we'll be able to answer your questions. The first one is coming from Tyler. He asks, why is it more cloudy in the winter than in the summer? A few answers. Number one, the, the sun's a very powerful thing obviously in the summer uh, we we love sun we love sun here and especially when you had a winter that has been i believe uh, nicholas ferrari our chief said we've had only 19 percent of the possible sun this winter that's since december 1st since during december meteorological 1st, winter. meteorological winter uh, we want some more sun well that is part of the reason we've had more clouds around the sun this time of the year due to earth's tilt 23.5 degrees. On its axis, the sun is actually not bringing the direct rays into North America as much as it does during the summer months. So you don't have as much solar energy there. Solar energy helps to break apart some of the cloud cover that you get at the lower levels. That's one answer. So if you want to go down and you see the sun during this time of year, you got to go down to like Australia, South America, things like that. you got to go to the Southern Hemisphere. Other, other Hemisphere, because it flips. Yes. The other reason is the Great Lakes are right nearby. And the fact that we just explained of the lakes not being frozen over, any time that we get 
a wind component from the north, usually from the northwest, but we have seen it also from the east-northeast, where it's coming off of Lake Erie if it's a right. strong enough wind. It brings in that moisture off of the lakes that rises and forms the clouds. So the fact that the lakes have not frozen over, it's helping to provide the moisture that the colder air is rushing over these lakes and helping these clouds develop. You know what's nice about winter? Even though it is cloudy, <laughs> you stay inside and watch some hockey. Yes, you can. Stay inside and watch watch some hockey and uh, some basketball. Obviously, fo- football season's kind of wrapped up. But XFL, man, let's XFL, go. XFL, what's your thoughts on that? St. Louis Battlehawks all the way. Yeah, I haven't... Uh, <laughs> I haven't been able to turn it on just yet. I don't know. I think for me, by the time the college football season and the NFL season's over. Are you football tapped out? Sort of. Ah. I'm also a Bears fan, so I'm kind of football tapped out by week three when we find a way to <laughs> to, to uh, kind of see the train go off the rails. But, again, I also like this period where we make that transition from football Sundays to now hockey, and basketball, focusing on the NHL, the NBA, and obviously spring training. Yes, yeah, spring training, now. pitchers so we're making, and catchers reported. We're making that transition. You can't get to summer until you get through football season. Think about that. That is true. I, I just love football. I enjoy it so much. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as much there. The XFL is, they've tried to do this before. It's probably just good enough for it to hold my interest. There's enough rules differences, and it's exciting enough. Are you able to uh, sports bet on the XFL? Yes, you are. So is that? Do you think that's part of what's also? They're they're welcoming that they full out have the odds and the the over under and the spread on the screen the whole time. So kind of a way to say you know this isn't obviously the NFL, but it's still a way to enjoy football and kind of hold your interest in a few different ways. Yeah, and stay engaged in it. Uh, for people that think they know football really well, uh, and they can carry over their NFL betting over to the XFL. There you go. That's probably that. Let's move on to our next question. What do we got? This is from Russ. Russ asks us, why does Wayne 15, the weather team, put out a 10-day forecast when he sees that there is a tendency, there's a tendency for the forecast to change at times pretty drastically after, say, three, four, five, six days out? Why do it for so long if there's going to be those changes? And Ultimately, why do a 10-day forecast when maybe others are not going that far? Well, it's he's not wrong that after three, four days, the forecast can change drastically. And typically, it's usually a probably, if we were to look at it uh, as a scientific, that the forecasting for day one to three has improved dramatically over the last 10 years. Once we get past that day three, it starts to become a little bit more wishy-washy, but we're still pretty darn accurate for days three through seven. Yeah, we so, do pretty good there. So why do we do the day 10 or days eight, nine, and 10? It's basically so that you can always have a look at the weekend. Weekends are important to everybody. Absolutely. They want to see and start planning their weekend. And the truth is, when you go back to last weekend, so... Not this past weekend, we're recording this on Wednesday. We just talked about our hits and misses a little bit back for this past Saturday and Sunday. The one before that, Saturday and Sunday, we had temperatures pretty similar to what we were expecting for this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Sky cover was 
not too far off as well. You could say it was hit and miss. It was hit and miss. But the truth <laughs> is, we didn't have like a bad reading, say, seven, eight days out. No. It's going to change. It's always going to change. One of the things we talk about when it comes to winter systems, specifically with snowfall, we kind of wait to put out snowfall totals until the storm system has come ashore. We're in North America. General wind flow in North America is from west to east. The storm systems come ashore in the Pacific, and then they make their way towards the Midwest. We have a series of weather balloons across the country. Those weather balloons are launched twice a day into the incoming weather systems. Well, if a system's going to impact us three days from now, it's not getting sampled until we get closer to that one to three day period. It gets sampled by those weather balloons once it comes off the Pacific and into the country or over the country. That's why things can change pretty drastically because until we get a really good reading on how the system is performing as it comes ashore, we just kind of see, okay, something's coming. This is kind of what we're expecting. Uh, you know, you kind of, you think about the air in place. You're going to increase the air with every possibility from the starting point through the ending point. Yeah, and as we said before, these models are changing sometimes drastically between runs, and that's where our expertise comes in to know what the trends have been, to know how each model handles things specifically. And whenever we get towards that 8, 9, and day 10, that's where it's more of us giving you a heads up on what you can most likely expect. Because we know it's going to change, and as you guys have noticed over the years of watching, that, yeah, it's going to change, but it's always good to just be like, oh, we might have a big cool down day 10. I'm going to just keep an eye on that and make sure I have my winter coat ready to go for next Wednesday or something like that. Yeah, and temperatures we generally do pretty good with. Temperatures yeah. is probably a much better reading with the extended forecast because we can handle the large-scale movements of air pretty well, air mass movements. When it comes to the individual storm systems that may impact your rain chances, that's where we have to wait for some of the more uh, finite details to come out. Yeah, so day 10 will almost always be changing. Always. Almost always is, what is what's that called? I would say there's a, a really good chance for changing, you know, day 6 through 10. Yeah. But we try to get, if it's a probability-based thing, we try to give you the best possibility for what may happen on those days as early in advance as we can. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, this was a pretty good uh, success here. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't first, bad. First crack at it. Yeah. I mean, I think we're always open to viewer or listener feedback. Both viewer and listener, because you'll be able to view this on Wayne.com or listen to it on Wayne.com, but and like we always find it there. Right. And we always say, you know, like Adam mentioned, past the forecast at Wayne.com. Send us an email. Send us in your questions. Our pages, meteorologist Adam Solarzik on Facebook. S-O-L-A-R-C-Z as in zebra, O-I-K. Country of origin? Uh, Polish. Can you use it in a sentence? Adam Solarzik is one of the hosts of the Past the Forecast podcast. Can you give me a pronunciation? So, Lars, Ick. One more or, time. alternative pronunciation, Solarczyk. All right, let's see. I'm not looking at it. Let's see if I can get it. I wasn't paying attention. S O L. You were looking me in the eye. How could you not be paying attention? S S O L A R C Z Y K. I would hope that you'd be able to get that right, seeing as how many times we communicate. Yeah. Well, see, on my phone, it's saved. 
Your name's spelled uh, S-R-T-U-S, right? No. That would get the uh, <laughs> that would get the spelling bee. Ding. It's S-T-R-U-S. That's correct. Country of origin, Slovenia. Ooh. How about that? How about the ski jumpers? Ski jumpers, Winter Olympics. It's a summer Olympic year. Yes, it is. That's exciting. Are they in Japan? Yes, I believe. Japan. Uh, Tokyo. Nice. So that should be pretty cool. Uh, You know what's really cool from a weather perspective? Now that I think about it, I believe Beijing, China, is up again. But this time for a... I think they're already doing it. I think I know where you're going with this. They're they're up for a Winter Olympics. They're, I, I believe they are doing the Winter Olympics. So they're going to be. So they're they're definitely confirmed. I'm fairly certain that Beijing is hosting Winter Olympics sometime in the next four Olympics. Okay. I'm pulling. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Beijing Winter Olympics. Maybe they just did them. I don't know. Uh, they no they, 2022, 2022 Winter Olympics. So Beijing. That's the next Winter Olympics to come up. So what's really cool about that, from a weather perspective, if you think back, Beijing hosted the Summer Olympics in 2008, I believe. 2008, because Athens was 04, London was 12. So Beijing, Summer Olympics in 08, but the Winter Olympics in 2022. Geographically, there's not that many countries that I can think of I guess there is, now that I think about it. I mean, the United States, <laughs> Atlanta's hosted the uh, the Summer Olympics. Yes. But I guess Beijing is a city. Mm-hmm. It's a city, correct? Oh, yes. It's a city. That's where, that's where I guess my head was going. It's a city that can host both the Summer and the Winter Olympics. There's not many that could probably do both. I think that's what you were getting right, at. Right. That's what I'm trying to get yeah. at. Because it's, you probably, like, if you were in, if you were in the United States, who could host both? You'd probably need something Seattle? Seattle could probably do it. I mean, the Summer Olympics are much easier to right. host than the Winter Olympics. You could pretty much do any northern place that would be, because anywhere in the U.S. during the August month would be able to do it. I'm looking forward to it. And obviously with golf back in the Olympics, that'll be exciting too. So this is the second time around that the golf has been back in the Summer Olympics. So that's something to look forward to. But for me, I am a Winter Olympics fan. I like the Winter Olympics. I like them both. There's aspects of both that I enjoy. What's your favorite summer event? My favorite summer event? Yeah. Uh, has to be probably swimming. I like swimming too. I think what, gra- what really got swimming was back in 2008 when we saw Michael Phelps yeah. kind of capture the scene of swimming. And then that's really the only time I watch it. Um, unless I have a friend who is a swimmer, sometimes I watch some some of his events. Um, but other than that, you're I only really seeing it during the Olympics. You know, I have a friend. I believe he is still on the U.S. national swimming team. Ooh, I think he's trying to make the Olympics. That's the one up there from Salarzy. I think it. Is. I think he's still on. Last time, last I saw, he was still on the team. What about the Winter Olympics, real quick? Winter Olympics favorite? Uh, oh. Oh, it's the speed skating. Speed skating. Apollo Anton Ono. Apollo. See, I like hockey. Oh, hockey I like too. Hockey. I like I've, seeing. I see hockey all the time. That's the one. That's obviously. I think hockey's a, maybe the more standard answer for a sport that we know or we see all the time. But I always like watching like the luge or some of the um, the bobsled. Obviously, that's just the luge with a few more people. Um, <laughs> and snowboarding now in the Olympics too. So that's pretty exciting. Yes, uh, Kim. I forget what her name is. Kim, 
uh, Kim was great last last Winter Olympics. We're, Sorry, uh, it's escaping me. It's like a hits and miss here. We're, uh, <laughs> we're missing here. But, uh, yeah, so I think that's pretty cool. Beijing hosting both the Summer and the Winter Olympics. One city can actually do all of it. Pretty yes, cool. they can. And we can do it all. We can podcast now. We can report. We can report. We can use a camera. We can kind of forecast sometimes. Yeah, when but... The, when, when, when the when the when the price is right yes well the price is right on right before the noon <laughs> all right well we'll see you next time as we try and be one percent right about the weather this week just one this has been past the forecast podcast from wayne 15.